What's up, Red Rocks Church? From all of us on staff to every single one of you, Merry Christmas. We're so glad that we get to be with you today. Can you help me and say hi to all of our locations? Hello, Littleton, Lakewood, Arvada, Evergreen. We love all you Denver-based campuses. I want to say hi to the men at the Colorado Territorial Correctional Facility. We love you guys. Merry Christmas. Ladies, ladies at the Denver Women's Correctional Facility, you know we love you so much. We're glad to be with you today. And a special hello to our brand new Brussels, Belgium campus. We love you guys. Merry Christmas. I like to say something right up top, um, because if you come around for very, very long, you'll figure it out anyways. Um, we're just a bunch of messed up, imperfect people who love to get together and pursue a perfect God. That's what we're doing here. We're not trying to build the Red Rocks Church kingdom. We're trying to build his kingdom. We don't think we have all the answers. We don't think we know everything. We know we're real far from perfect, but we get real excited to meet with a perfect God. And so that means no matter what you've got going on in your life, no matter where you're watching this from or listening to this from, no matter whether you think I couldn't be closer to God right now or I couldn't be farther away from God right now, no matter what's going on in your life, you're welcome here. And we're glad you're with us. So Merry Christmas to all of you who are visiting as well. Can you believe it's here? Isn't that crazy? Like it was just Thanksgiving. It was Thanksgiving and we blinked, right? We it feels like we just started listening to Christmas music and now all of a sudden it's here. And I don't know about you, how many of you are like Christmas music fanatics? It's all the time in your car, in your house. Yeah, so that's going on at our house, Christmas music like crazy. But Christmas music is funny to me because I feel like it's the one month out of the year from the end of November until now that we... We sing one thing and we feel the complete opposite. That's how I feel about Christmas music sometimes. Let me, let me explain. We sing, tell me if this sounds like your family Christmas planning so far. All is calm. All is bright. Does that sound like your family right now? Have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. We sing that we're calm and bright and holly and jolly. And what we feel about this time of year is tired and stressed and broke and fat, right? That's how we feel. <laughs> Someone just told me the other day that between Thanksgiving and Christmas, the average person gains seven and a half pounds. That's a holly jolly Christmas right there. And I don't like the way I was told because what, how I was told was it was actually a few days after Thanksgiving, I went to the gym and a girl that works at the gym goes to the church and she goes, hey, Sean, haven't seen you in a while. I don't like the spirit of that comment already because I don't know what you're insinuating. I'm holding my shirt out like, what are you, I get, good to see you. And, and she goes, you know, the average person between Thanksgiving and Christmas gains 7.5 pounds. And I can't be certain, but I'm almost positive right after she said it, she went like this. <laughs> you know, the average person gains 7.5 pounds. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, is that right? That's great. Thanks, Jackie. I You've always been a statistician. Thanks for your dedication to that. I'll be upstairs running four minute miles on the treadmill. 
And I probably need to because I'll be honest, I have a sweets problem and this is a bad time of year to have a sweets problem, isn't it? Can we have another just honest moment in church? How many of you have a like sinful sweets problem? Can you just, you know what, I'm with you. If loving sweets is wrong, I don't want to be right. That's how I feel. But it is a dangerous time of year for those of us who are in that category, isn't it? Uh, It's a battle between Thanksgiving and Christmas. In fact, right now my kitchen is a war zone. And my wife does not help me. She buys sweets like crazy. She's making sweets. I went in the kitchen the other night. We have got these little, they're about this thick. They're covered in white frosting. They're shaped like a Christmas tree. They're little spongy cake things. They're made by Little Debbie. They come straight from heaven, but they're given to us through Little Debbie. And I'm telling you, you can pound eight of these and not even blink. Like, they just go down. We got cakes in the shape of trees, brownies in the shape of trees. My wife will make cookies by the boxes and literally give them away. She'll make sugar cookies with frosting on top. Is there anything better? And they're in the shape of trees and candy canes and angels and the whole deal, right? So I go down in the kitchen the other night. It's like 2 a.m. I can't sleep. I got problems. I'm, I'm down there and I'm just like eyeballing the sweets. And we're just, they're like staring back at me. And I was like, uh uh-uh. uh, no, you do not. Because no, I will not. I got discipline. And I eating a brownie and laying down. Forget you. I'm going upstairs. And I went upstairs, but then I kept thinking about it. You know that feeling? Like they're down there. <laughs> How many calories can be in one little Debbie? That's what I started thinking. And I started thinking like, well, they are sort of in the shape of Christmas elements and Christmas is about Jesus, and so maybe I should. You know, I, I convinced myself I should be eating brownies for Jesus at like 2 a.m. That's what I was doing. I got a problem. The way we go about the holidays, though, it's intense, isn't it? And, and, and we sing these songs, and we sing songs that say, I'm simply having a wonderful Christmas time. But the stats around Christmas don't seem to agree with the songs. And I won't read you all the stats. You can go Google this stuff for yourself, but me and BZ spent some time this week looking at statistics around Christmas and the billions of dollars that we spend during Christmas and the amount of debt that most individuals and families increase, take on more debt in the Christmas season and how anxiety goes up over Christmas and stress goes up and depression goes up and suicides go up, heart attacks go up. Like, look at the stats. We're simply having a wonderful Christmas time and it's killing us. And the stat that really got me and BZ that we were like, what? And this is for the United States and for Europe. So Brussels, you're not even off the hook for this one. When polled, check this out. 45% of people polled said, I wish I could skip Christmas altogether. Is that crazy? 45% of the people polled said, it's just, it's too expensive. It's too stressful. It's too emotional. I just wish we could skip the whole thing. And me and BZ started talking like, man, when 45% of us wish we could just skip the whole thing, we're missing the point, aren't we? Like, there's something going on there. We're missing the point of the whole thing. And so just for a few minutes today, that's what I want to talk about. I don't want to talk about what happened on the first Christmas. We know what happened on the first Christmas. Mary and Joseph and the baby and the manger and they had the thing and they took the selfie and hashtag no room at the end. Like, we know what happened, right? And we know how we go about celebrating it. What I want to talk about for a minute, though, is what's the point? Why? Was there even a first Christmas? Why do we do all this? 
And one of the most popular verses in the entire Bible tells us the point, authored by Tim Tebow, John 3, 16. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He so loved. He so loved us that he sent Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We have Christmas. We celebrate Christmas because God so loved you. That's why we do it. That's why we celebrate it. That's why we do the trees and the lights and the ornaments and we take time off work and the kids get out of school and we see family and we have parties. That's it because God so loved you and me. And I don't know all of you personally and I don't know where you're watching this from or listening to this from, but I, you gotta know this, we exist as a church family to make sure that you know one thing and that is that Jesus Christ came out of heaven, the son of God, he came out of heaven came to this world, lived a sinless life, allowed himself to be arrested, beaten within an inch of his life, and then executed on a cross to pay the price for our sins, for our wrongs, to cover up our sins, to atone for our sins. And the Bible says if we'll lean into that, if we'll put our faith in that, God will forgive our sins, redeem our past, restore our lives, give us a changed life in the here and now, and heaven forever one day. And we exist as a church family to make sure you know that. But make no mistake about it, the reason we're celebrating Christmas together right now is because God so loved you and me that he sent Jesus. That's the message today, that, that God loves you. And see, we got to be careful with that because sometimes we hear that, and, and, and I understand because I lived a lot of life in this position. We hear something like that, and here's what we think. That just sounds cheap. God loves you. It sounds cliche. It sounds churchy. It definitely sounds like something we ought to be talking about today, right? And we don't actually let it sink in. We don't think it actually means anything. We don't think that phrase is actually relevant to us today. And I understand, again, because I lived a lot of life feeling that exact same way. But let me tell you this. I believe that God has you listening to this right now for a reason. Believer or non-believer, he knows exactly what you're going through right now. And he knows that some of you, more than anything else in the world right now, you need to be reminded of the fact that he loves you. And that's what today is about. And if there's even a small part of you that goes, yeah, but that just sounds, eh. I don't really get it. I don't really feel it. I don't really experience it. If there's anything in you that just kind of goes, yeah, that's just cheap and cliche. And here's what I would say. First, I would say this. God's love for you is crazy. It's so crazy. It's so out there that unless you experience it for yourself, you won't understand it. It's that crazy. When Eric took me to a church at 24 years old, I did not understand it. Someone said, God loves you. I did not understand what they're even talking about. It's so crazy. Until you experience it for yourself, you don't even understand it. Let me just read one passage of scripture. We could have chosen from tons. Let me read one passage of scripture that starts to explain the kind of love that God has for you. Take this in. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, 
It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Some of you need to understand this about God's love for you right now. It keeps no record of wrongs. You should let go of some of your wrongs because God wants to. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. Listen, let God speak to you right now. His love always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. This is the kind of love that we crave. We were created to crave this kind of love. But make no mistake about it, this kind of love only comes from a relationship with God. There's no person on the planet that can love you with the perfect kind of love that God can. 18 years ago, I stood in front of my friends and my family and God, and I promised all those things to Jill. And then a month later, she locked me out of our apartment. I took them all back. <laughs> there is not a person, guys, make no mistake about it, there's no woman on this planet that can love you the way God can, this perfect kind of love. Ladies, there is no man on the planet that can love you the way you crave to be loved by your heavenly Father. It's a crazy love. And until you experience it, it's hard to understand. Like I said, I was sitting in church at 24 going, I don't get it. But I was desperate enough to say, okay, God, if you're real, I want to experience it. And I experienced his love for the first time as an adult, and it began to change things. But you got to experience it. If you want to know what one of those little white Debbie's with the frosting on it tastes like, you gotta take a bite yourself, right? I could tell you all day long how good it is. You gotta experience it. God says this, Psalm 34, eight, taste and see that the Lord is good. You gotta experience his love for yourself. I would tell you God's love is crazy and until you experience it, you won't fully understand it, and it'll sound crazy. I would tell you this, you qualify for God's love. Some of you desperately need to hear that. Some of you have been following God for a long time, and you still don't think you're worthy of his love. Some of you don't have a relationship with, with God at all, and one of the reasons that you've kept your distance is because you think, I just don't qualify. I remember feeling that. That's real. I remember sitting in church looking around going, I can't. I could never be like these people. I'm not good like these people. Like they, they don't know what I do and the things I'm into. And like, I'm just not good enough, right? And, and we feel that. I talked to a guy at the Lakewood campus a couple weeks ago. And he told me, he told me that when he was sitting in solitary confinement in prison for murder, and when somebody told him that God loved him, he thought, there's not a chance in the world that applies to me. I can't qualify for that. Notice I said I was talking to him in the campus, Lakewood campus lobby. Because he has been set free. He has been saved. Went public with his faith through baptism. Made into a new creation by Christ. You look this guy in the eyes and you see it like he's not even the same person. He's been completely changed by the power of God because he experienced his love for the first time. And that's what happens when we start to realize we qualify. See, our problem is, is we disqualify ourselves way too often and way before God ever would. We look at our own lives and we go, no, 
I'm not good enough for that. I'd never be good enough for that. I couldn't keep it up. I couldn't do it. It's not for me, right? One of Jesus' best friends had this exact same problem. The apostle Peter. He experienced the miraculous power of Jesus. And watch, watch his response is how some of us feel today. Luke 5, 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. We feel that, don't we? Sometimes as believers, we feel that. I better, I better keep my distance from God right now because I haven't been acting very good. I've been doing enough of the right things and I've been doing too many of the wrong things. I don't feel spiritual enough and I don't feel godly enough and I don't feel like I could do it. And we disqualify ourselves. And if you've ever felt, even just a little bit, if you've ever felt like I'm just not good enough for God's love, I think what he would say to you is this. It's not about you. It's about me. It's not about you. It's about me. Has anyone ever broken up with you using that line? Listen. It's not going to work out. But it's not about you. It's about me. And you're like, hmm, because it feels an awful lot about me right now. I think that's, that's what God would say to some of you right now. It's not about you. It's about me. And here's what I mean. Anyone close to me knows that I have had a harder time putting together today's talk than I have had in a long time. In fact, so much so, and I knew I wanted to talk about the fact that God loves you. In fact, I went home to my wife one night and I said, maybe I'm in the wrong profession because what kind of pastor can't tell people God loves them? Like maybe I'm just not in the right profession because I can't figure this out. And I got to the point where I started literally this week having panic attacks, talk about stupid, panic attacks over stepping on stage and telling you that God loves you. Let me, let me show you, put up the picture of my desk. This is a picture of my desk today. Now, those who work with me would say that it's not usually that clean, but that's a picture of my desk today. This past Wednesday night, I took a picture of a desk that I was working from because as many of you know, we've told you this before, if Chad and I are getting ready to speak that weekend, we like to leave our offices and we like to go down to one of the kids' rooms and we set up a plastic table in the kids' room so nobody bugs us and we can just be alone and we work from there. So I've been working from one of our kids' rooms all week and Wednesday night, I was so scatterbrained, so distraught, so dealing with anxiety, and I just stood up for a second and I looked at the table and I was like, what is wrong with me? Look at the picture of the desk I was working from. Remember that movie, A Beautiful Mind? Some of you like, that's the desk of a troubled soul right there. There is one, two, three, four, five coffee mugs on that table that just kept piling up day after day. There's fries, no wonder I'm 7.5 pounds heavier. There's about 15 messages worth of notes right there. I'm not kidding. I'm walking back and forth in the room. I'm playing worship music. I'm praying. I'm crying. I'm like, God, why have you forsaken me? Why won't you help me? Why won't you help me tell people what it looks like to be loved by you? I start texting Chad and all the guys. I'm like, guys, I'm really dealing with anxiety, and I don't know why. Will you please pray for me? Like, I'm just... Why? Where are you? Why have you left me? And all of a sudden I went, oh my gosh, I'm about to miss Austin's basketball game. And so I left the office and I drove over to Austin's basketball game. 
my, my son, and I promise you this is exactly what happened. I'm walking into the lobby, and I'm literally like, God, you don't even care about me. And I'm walking into the lobby, and out walks, there's only, there's only three of us in the whole lobby. I'm walking in, out walks a father and a son. And the dad, he, he was a big guy, and he's like palming his child's head. <laughs> and the little boy, the little boy's got both of his hands up above his head, just holding on to his dad's hand like this. And they're walking past me. I promise you, this is exactly what happened. The little boy looks up at his dad with his hands like this. He goes, I love you, dad. And the dad's palming his son's head. And he goes, no, I love you. And he goes, no, I love you. And the dad goes, no, I love you. No, I love you. No, I love you. And they literally said it about 10 times and walked right out. And I just stood there and went, is this happening right now? Am I going crazy? Are they angels? Like, what on earth? And I start crying. I walk into the game. Parents are looking at me like, are you okay? And I'm like, not now. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what just happened in the lobby. I couldn't get that image out of my head. And I'm driving back to the office. And I'm going, God, why won't you help me? And he goes, I just did. He goes, didn't you see it? That father and that son? He goes, that's you and me. You try so hard to prove that you love me all the time, and it's not about that. It's about I love you. Stop trying to prove how much you love me and just let me love you. Stop reading your Bible because you think it'll make, you, make me love you more. Read it because you want to hang out. Stop praying because you think I'll love you more. Stop praying because you want me to love you more. Just come talk to me when you want to talk to me. Careful, Christians. Careful long-time churchgoers, we fall into this trap of if I perform really good, I can prove to the Father that I love him. And the whole time he's looking back down, he's going, no, 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 no. It's not about that. I love you. Stop working for the love you already have. It's not about you. It's about me. He says it like this, 1 John 4, 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Here it is. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Some of us need to be set free from this spirit of performance. If I do some really good spiritual things this week, maybe God will love me more. I've had a rough week and I've done some really bad things and said some bad things. I bet he loves me less. And the whole time God's going, no, 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 it's not about you. It's about me. It's about my love for you. And listen, he doesn't love you because of what you do and what you don't do. He loves you because of who you are. That's what, that's what 1 John says, 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that's what we are. We are loved not because of the things we do or don't do. We are loved because we're his children. Right now, God loves you because you're his son, because you're his daughter. That's it. That's why. And listen, I don't know what you're going through this Christmas. I know for some people right now, Christmas is a celebration. But I know for a bunch of people, Christmas right now isn't a celebration. It's a struggle. Because I've talked with a bunch of you. 
And this is a really hard time of year. And you'd be one of the ones who say, yeah, I wish we could skip the whole thing. Because to be honest, the holidays remind me a whole bunch of what I don't have and who I don't get to be with. And I've talked with people just tore up over that. I don't know where you're at this Christmas. But I can tell you this. Before everything else, before what we do, before our situation, before our careers, before our finances, before our relationships, before all of that, you are a child of God. You are loved by him. That's who you are. That's what defines you. You're a child of God. You're loved by him. It's who you are. And if you're having problems with this, accepting this, feeling this, getting this in any way, I would say God's love is crazy. It doesn't make sense until you experience it. But you got to know this, you qualify just the way you are right here, right now. You qualify. He loves you. And then I would tell you this, number three, you couldn't get rid of it if you tried. You couldn't get God to stop loving you if you tried. And that's important to think about because I know for a whole bunch of us, this is stuff I used to deal with. Don't tell me God loves me because the truth is I'm scared to be loved. I'm afraid to have somebody tell me they love me. And some of you feel that. Because somebody in your life has said I love you. And then they changed their mind. And then they walked out. And then they lied. And then they left. And instead of protecting, they hurt and that's real. And you need to know that that's not God. What do we just read? God's love never hurts. It never leaves. It never abandons. It never fails. It always hopes. It always trusts. It always perseveres. It's a different kind of love than anything you've experienced before. It's not what you've had in the past. Every summer where I live, the subdivision that I live in, they have a garage sale, a community-wide garage sale. Well, we do not participate in the community-wide garage sale because my wife is a hoarder, okay? Listen, she's the best person I know. She's the godliest woman I know, the most loving, kind, hot as a firecracker. I mean, but I'm telling you, she is a hoarder. Okay, we have moved 10 times since we've been married and every time I pick up the same box of her college books and I just look at her while I'm moving it like. I move the same rocking horse from when she was six every time we move. This shouldn't be happening. So we don't participate in the community garage sale because we can't get rid of anything. But my kids know how to work this system. They play people in my neighborhood. You should see it. It's hilarious. They've just learned. They've learned. Here's what happens. The garage sale goes from about nine to about three. And they've learned if we start walking around the neighborhood at about three and there's stuff out in people's driveways, they don't really want it. They don't want to move it back in their house. If we just walk around and look cute and have like a dollar, we get anything we want. My kids play our neighbors. You should see it. They walk up to people. I watched them do it. They'll walk up and be like. It's a neat fire truck. It looks fun. I don't have any money, so see ya. Oh, come here, little boy. Come here. You want the fire? My kids come home laughing like this, just playing people in the neighborhood with all kinds of free stuff at the end of the day. 
Well, this past summer, my eight-year-old, he was seven at the time, comes walking up our street holding a six-foot cardboard cutout. I'm like, what has he done? Put that picture up. This is what he brought home. What is that? And he named him Billy, and he just hangs out with him. Put that next picture up. That's just a random picture I took of Ashton just hanging out with Billy. I have to pay my children a dollar every time I tell a story about him in church. I told Ashton I was going to talk about Billy. He said, you better give Billy a dollar. Here's what Ashton has started to do with Billy. We made him keep Billy in the basement because he kind of freaks people out. Well, Ashton has started, when someone will come over and visit our house, when they go in the bathroom, Ashton will run downstairs, get Billy, bring him up, and set him right outside of the bathroom. And people walk out of our bathroom like this, da 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 da, ah! It's Billy. He'll take Billy at night and he'll go put him hovering over his brother's beds. He'll put Billy outside of bedrooms. He'll put Billy in closets. I had a bunch of guys come over recently to watch UFC. They all walk in like this. I put Billy at the bottom of the stairs. Every one of them, they come in like, yeah, let's watch the fight. Whoa! I'll be upstairs. He'll hide Billy in a closet. I'll hear my wife scream downstairs. She'll be like, opening the door. Ah! I'm like, honey, you okay? It's Billy! <laughs> He's everywhere. We can't get rid of him. Awkward transition from Billy to God. He's everywhere. You can't get rid of him. You can't get rid of his love if you wanted to. You could change rooms, change houses, change cities, change states, change countries, go overseas, run to the end of the earth, live in sin, pursue God with all your heart. Every time you turn around, his love is right there waiting for you. You can't get rid of him. You can't. His love for you is crazy. And until you experience it for yourself, you won't even understand it. And sometimes you don't feel like it's true, but you qualify for it. You, the way you are right now. And you couldn't get rid of his love if you tried. He said it like this, Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the love he has for us. Listen, Red Rocks Church. God is very real. His love for you is very real. Heaven is very real. But so is hell and so is Satan. This is not a game. It's not a game we're playing. And every good and perfect thing that God wants to give us, Satan wants to steal. And he loves to use our insecurities. He can't touch us, but he likes to get in our ears. He likes to whisper lies. That's what he does. Look back in Genesis. It's what he's been doing since the beginning of time. God said to Adam and Eve, this is what I have in store for you. And what happened? Satan just got in their ear and he says, is that really what he said? I can't touch him. I just get in their ear. Is that really what God meant? Do you think that really applies to you? Come on. His tricks haven't changed. 
So the creator of the universe spends a a moment like this where he gets your attention and he says, I love you. It's a crazy love that you've never experienced and you qualify and it won't ever leave you and it won't ever forsake you and it won't ever hurt you and it won't ever let you down. And Satan wants to get in your ear and go, come on. Is that really what he said? Do you really think that that applies to you? I mean, look at you. You've been saved and you've been doing that this long? You still struggle with that? Come on. You think you could come to God? Come on. That's what he does. He lies. And I've seen it over and over again. I've experienced it over and over again. And i got to be honest with you, Red Rocks Church, I'm sick of it. And I think it's time that we as individuals and families and as a church family, we took a stand against that. And we said, no, I don't have to listen to your lies. I'll stand on the word of truth. Greater is he who is in me than he that is yapping in my ear. I'll stand on the truth. And so that's what we do. And so here's what it looks like. Let's reread 1 John. See what great love the Father has lavished on us? That we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. And so Satan gets in our ear and he says, you can't do this. You can't have this. You can't accept this. You're not good enough for this. We go, no, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm going to stand on the word of God. Put that last slide up there, please. And here's what we say. I am a child of God. I am loved by him. It's who I am. I am a child of God. I'm loved by him. That's who I am. That's what defines me. You can talk in my ear all day long. That's what defines me. Red Rocks Church, let's say it together at every single location. I'm a child of God. I'm loved by him. It's who I am. Would you say it again? I'm a child of God. I'm loved by him. It's who I am. Say it one more time like you mean it. Say it to Satan if you need to. I'm a child of God. I'm loved by him. It's who I am. That's the truth. That's what we stand on. And that's what this whole thing's about. That's why there's a Christmas. Because God so loves you and me. And this week, I spent so much time like passionately going, God, help me. How do I help people experience that? How do I help people encounter that? And finally, and just through my thoughts, he said back to me this week, you don't, not your job. It's my job. Me and Jill were reading in 2 Kings this week. Band, you can come up. And Elisha, Elisha's being attacked. And the situation isn't good. And things don't look like they're going to turn out the way he hopes. And one of his friends come over, comes over to him and says, Elisha, look around. We're surrounded by armies. There's no way out. And Elisha says, no, 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 no. See, greater is he who is with us than he that is against us. And he said, I can't show you this, but God can. And he just said a prayer. God, would you open my friend's eyes so he can see you? And all of a sudden, God opened his eyes, and he looks around, and he sees that he is just surrounded by the Spirit of God. He is surrounded by the presence of God, by the protection of God, by the love of God. And so that's my prayer. We're going to sing a song. And I've been praying for you all week long that right now when we sing this song, that God will begin to open some of your eyes. Some of you have been following him for so long, working so hard to prove how much you love him and have such a hard time being loved by him. 
And some of you have never had a relationship with him and you haven't experienced the love and you need a miracle right now. And I've been praying that right now as we corporately sing this worship song together, that God would begin to open your eyes and you would begin to experience it and encounter it and realize you're surrounded by his love. So at every single location, would you guys stand up? And I'm gonna say a prayer for you. God, right now I believe that you are with us I believe that you love us in ways that we can't even comprehend. We see the negative. We see what's wrong with us. I pray, God, for just a minute you would help us see everything that's right, that you love us, that you're with us, that you're working in us, that you're proud of us. I pray, God, as we sing this song, you would begin to open some of our eyes and that we would experience your miraculous love right here right now. In Jesus' name, amen. At every campus, let's sing this like we mean it.
some of you would experience a miracle because it can happen now. And some of you, you've been following God maybe for a little while, maybe for a long time, and the miracle that you need to happen is to actually push past this wall of insecurity and disqualification and actually allow yourself to be loved by God. And for some of you, you're going you're to go from death to life spiritually right now. Your eternity could be changed. And what's awesome about God is, is he says it's his love and his kindness and his mercy that actually draws us into a relationship with him. And that's happening for some of you right now. So let's act on what God is doing in our heart. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you're with us right this minute. I thank you that you know, you know what every single person's going through. You know whether Christmas right now is a celebration or a struggle. You know our hearts, you know our minds, you know our emotions. God, I pray that you would right now just lift some weights off of our shoulders, that people would just begin to experience freedom right now in the name of Jesus. They don't have to earn your love. They don't have to deserve it. They don't have to be good enough. It's because they're your child. Right now with everyone's eyes closed, if you'd say this, I already have a relationship with Jesus. But if I was honest, I struggle with not feeling good enough to be loved by him. Tonight, I just need to encounter his love. If that's you, just lift your hand up. I'm just going to say a prayer for you. Whole bunch of us. I get it. I feel it. The second question is this. You don't have a relationship with Jesus yet. But right now, you feel him drawing you with his love. You feel him drawing you into a relationship with him. And you just know, like, this is my moment. Right now, I need to ask him to forgive me of my sins. I want to turn away from my past, and I want to do life with him. I need to ask him to forgive me of my sins and get involved in my life. Not just so I get to experience his love right now, but so that I get heaven forever. If that's you right now at every single location, shoot your hand up in the air and I'm going to say a prayer for you. Put it up right now. Put them up. I need to ask God to forgive me of my sins. I need to give him my life right now. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Put them up. Brussels, put them up. God behind bars campuses, raise them up. Respond to what God's doing in your heart. Don't miss this moment. All of our Denver-based campuses, raise your hand up high and proud. I need to start a new relationship with God right now. Praise God. God, thank you for the eternal lives that are being changed right this minute. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you that you brought us here. Thank you that you know what we're going through and you know where you want to take us. And I pray, God, as we continue to worship, that everyone who just raised their hand would just begin to experience you in a real and authentic way. And I thank you for the eternal lives that are being changed right now. And God, for all of us who have already had a relationship with you, but really struggle, you know what we've been through. You know why it's there. We really struggle with feeling good enough, feeling qualified, feeling lovable. 
I pray, God, that you would help us break through that right now in the name of Jesus, and we would experience and encounter your love. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Red Rocks Church, at every single campus, we're going to sing this next song. And there's, there's a line in the song, and it talks about the fact that God loves me. I'm his child. He's my father. He loves me. It's who I am, and I want you to proclaim it. I want you to sing this with some conviction. I want you to proclaim it over your life right now. He loves me. It's who I am. All right? Let's worship. I love you guys.